Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a word about a life of service as I comment on Psalm 126. This psalm reads, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaths with him. When you're in a foreign land, it is easy to make a cultural faux pas. Uh, in England, I was speaking to a elderly lady who told me that her sister had spent over 40 years in service. Uh, I marvel that someone could spend that long in the armed forces, particularly at that point a lady because it wasn't that often that it wasn't that long ago that that uh, the armed forces started to recruit ladies in general for just uh, as a as a general part of the armed forces. In any case, when I marvel that someone can spend that long in the military, she looked at me like I was an idiot and walked away. Probably am. Uh, but in, in any case, I later discovered that to be in service in England meant to be a servant in the household of a wealthy family. The Christian life is a life of service, being at God's beck and call. Now, fortunately, God is a benevolent master. So let's look today at how the psalmist described this life of service. First of all, he says it is a life of going forth. He that goeth forth. Now, the context of this psalm is that God had redeemed Israel out of captivity in Babylon and had brought them or many of them back to Jerusalem. And, and that really is a symbol, maybe even an allegory, if you might say, of salvation, of God redeeming his people. And we saw in Psalm 126 how they rejoiced over what God had done for them. And we need to rejoice about what God has done for us, redeeming us from our sin in Jesus Christ. And so the context of this psalm is a redeemed people. And God very clearly expects His redeemed people to have a life of going forth. We don't work for our salvation, but we do need to work after we are saved. The master clearly expects his servants to toil. And the language here implies a continual going forth to work. And yes, 
When we go to forth, go forth to work, work is not easy. That's one of the consequences of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. They were to, um, or Adam, uh, according to the scriptures, but people are to work at this by the sweat of their brow. It's not easy to do work. Uh, physical labor is hard. Mental labor is tiring. Caring for people is tiring. Uh, developing new ideas. All those things that we do in our working life is tiring. And we sometimes do even shed a few tears over a project. But the language here implies a continual going forth to work. And for us, we need to go forth and work for God. If we know what the, the Great Commission says, Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. First of all, again, that's a going forth. But, but the, the Greek really implies a, that someone's going out into the world. And as they go out into the world, as they go forth to serve God, as they are in the process of working for God, they are to make disciples. So the, the, the life of service is a life of going forth. It's also a life of tears. Uh, the master expects his servants to care about what he cares about. In other words, when we are getting a paycheck from someone or when we are in someone's service, when we have a king who controls our life as a sovereign, we are under his authority and we need to care about what the what the master cares about. And what does Jesus care about? Well, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He, he told the story of the prodigal son, of caring for one who's gone away and left uh, the righteous path. Uh, he told the son of the, he told the, the, pro, the parable of the lost sheep, of how um, the, the, the shepherd left the 99 behind and went forward out into uh, the hinterlands to find that lost sheep. Jesus talked about how he wept over Jerusalem and how much he would love to have gathered in the children of Israel like a chick gathers, uh, like a chicken, a hen gathers in her chick. And so if Jesus wept over the lost, and he did, then we should weep over the loss. We should be concerned about the loss. We should be concerned about the state of the world. God made this world a perfect place and our sin has corrupted it. And we need to care about the world that God created. He gave us dominion over it and we need to take care of it for Him. We also need to care about our own failings. We should weep over our own sin. So the life of, uh, of, stu uh, of service is a, a life of going forth. It's a life of tears. It's also a life of stewardship. See, the master entrusts the servants with things that are precious to him. You know, the pilots of an airline don't own the airplanes. Now, they might if they are, <laughs> if the airline is employee-owned. But in general, the, the pilots of an airplane are entrusted with that airplane by the owners of the airline. The same thing about a cargo ship, a, an expensive cargo ship that sails the ocean blue or sails the ocean stormy, whichever might apply. 
the the captain doesn't own the ship. He talks about my ship. He takes ownership of it, but it's not his ship. It belongs to the shipping line, uh, and the shipping line expects that captain of that ship to take care of it, not to sail it in a way that would cause it to um, to to sink or to lose cargo. And so the master expects the servants to take due care of the things in which, with which they have been entrusted. We, as God's stewards, have been entrusted with the most important thing, and that's the gospel, the good news. And we must be good stewards of it. We must be good stewards of it by investing it uh, in people's lives. Um, Jesus told the parable of the of the servants that went out and were given by their master talents to invest, and one of them buried it in the ground. We need, we need to be about the business of investing in people with the gospel, not burying it in the ground. Uh, we also need to be good stewards of the gospel by our own behavior. We are to be witnesses for Christ. Actually, what Jesus said is we are witnesses for him. We don't have a choice in the matter. We have a choice of whether we are good witnesses or bad witnesses, but we don't have a choice about being a witness. So the serving life is a, a life of going forth, of working. It's a life of, of labor and toil and tears. Yes, it's a, it's a life of stewardship and it's a life of sowing. The master of a plantation of a large farm never stops sowing. There are times when he has sown his crop and he has to then till the crop through his servants and uh, then reap the crop. And, and, and we, we know that, but he never stops thinking about the next crop. Because once you stop thinking about the next crop, then you no longer have a farm. Uh, the church is only one generation away from extinction. A farm is only one generation of sowing away from becoming wasteland. And so the, far, the master, the farmer, always thinks about the next crop, and he must sow that crop before he can expect the harvest. Now, sowing doesn't always guarantee a good harvest, but failure to sow guarantees that there will not be a harvest. And once you have sown... The life of service is a life of reaping. The master doesn't reap, his servants reap. We are the master's agents, and we do this joyous work for him. It's always good to bring souls into the kingdom of God. After we've been good stewards of the gospel, after we have uh, prayed over the gospel in tears, after we have made sure that we take the gospel with us as we go forth, as we sow the gospel with our words of, of witness, then we can reap and see people saved and become disciples for Christ. So the life of service is quite the rigorous life. We are at the beck and call of our master, but in the end, as we reap and we share with him the joy of seeing people come to the Lord, we can be joyous. The bottom line is once we are saved, we are in for a life of service. And that service continues all the way until the end of time, when uh, our time at least, when we go 
to our retirement in heaven. A lot of people talk about taking time off from serving in church. Um, now, Jesus did take time off from some ministry so that he could pray and seek God's face and commune with his Lord. But most of the people I know that take time off from serving in church, they're doing something else. They're fishing on Sunday or they're traveling or uh, they're seeing family. And all those things are good, but the saved life, the redeemed life, is a life of service. And in the end, we receive our retirement and we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.